0: Go to Matthew um, chapter 10. As you uh, go to Matthew chapter 10, you're going to get a chance to see um, Jesus is going to put kind of this team of messengers together. I mean, I, I guess I've kind of classified it as King's messengers. And so as you go to Matthew chapter 10, you're going to get a chance to see this team put together, and then you're going to get a chance to hear Jesus' words as He sends this team out. And you're really going to get a chance to see how divisive the gospel is. You know, I think we, um, you know, grow up in church and we're like, well, you know, just here's the gospel, and it, it'll be, you know, everything will be okay. But as He puts this team together, I want you to see some individuals. I'm not going to talk a lot about the individuals, but you've got the names. Uh, starting in verse 2 of who the disciples are. You've got Simon Peter, you've got Andrew, James the son of his deputy, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Arthas, Thaddeus, Simeon, the zealot, Judas the Iscariot. You've got 12 individuals that Jesus is going to get together and with his team and he's going to call them something that I think is really kind of interesting. There's two words I think that's really interesting in the beginning of Matthew chapter 10, and you'll see it um, in uh, verse uh, chapter, one, or chapter 1, verse 1. He called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority. I want you to stop there. I want you to think about briefly, because I know uh, where we are time-wise, so don't panic. Um, but I want you to think about the word disciples. Interesting to me, all the words that Matthew could have put there, he chose the word disciple. And what's going to be really interesting is, as you read a little bit farther on, you're going to see the word uh, apostle in uh, verse 2. But before we go to the apostle word, I want you to think about a disciple. What is a disciple? I realized we gathered in church. We would say to each other, yeah, we're Christians. We would probably say to each other that we love Jesus, which is all nice, good church answers. But Matthew put a word there called a Disciple. So what is a disciple? As I think about the word disciple, I think it's about someone that is learning and has learned from their Savior. It's not just somebody says, oh, they sit in church and say, oh, by the way, I'm I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a Christian. I think there's more to this word when you say the word disciple. And so as Jesus is gathering his team, Guess what's interesting? There's no who-whos in this team. I mean, there's not anybody going to be going around saying, yeah, I want, you know, like LeBron James, or I want Steph Curry, or I want this person, or I want this person. We're going to make a super team, and we're going to win. There's not anybody in that list that you'll be saying, wow, I want them on my team. As you look at this team, you see 12 individual people that are just really broken guys. You have a tax question. You have the one that's going to betray the Messiah is on this team. You have Peter, who's the one that you're probably familiar with. Yeah, upon this rock, we're going to build a church. But yeah, Peter's the one that denied him. And he's still part of Jesus' plan. And so there's a process when you see the word disciple. There's a process of these guys coming to grips with the reality that Jesus is their, their Savior. And it's not just a head knowledge thing. There's a desire for them to learn from Jesus. There's a desire not only to learn from Jesus, but to be obedient to Jesus and His words. Here's some scripture that I think is interesting when you think about the word disciples. Take your Bible and go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And I'm not going to, I'll give you all the verses, but I'm not going to read all the verses this morning, but I'll list them all for you. Um, but I want to start with the Psalm 119, starting with verse 9. And Think about the word disciple as you think about these words. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a disciple keep his way pure? By living according to his feelings. By living according to the things of this world. By living to, according to the things that make him happy. By living according to the things that are fun. My Bible doesn't say any of those. How does a young man keep his way pure? How does a disciple keep his way pure? By living according to the word. I seek you with all my heart. Do Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Very interesting words as you think about the word discipleship. As you think about a disciple, someone that says, okay, this is your word. And I want to live according to your word. Uh, Go to Psalm 119 verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them. Give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with my heart. Direct me in the paths of your commands for there I find the light of the Bible. Psalm or 97 to 99 uh, is another one you can read. The other one I want to read this morning is Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One that you probably know or you've heard or you've memorized is probably three, five, and six. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll grant your paths. So if we're sitting together around the Word of God this morning, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew puts a word there, a disciple. These 12 guys are going to go through the process of life to learn to follow their Savior. Interesting that he says, and I'll give them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness. So these disciples are going to be authenticated by the opportunity for them to to heal, produce miracles. Interesting in verse 2. These are the names of the twelve, what? What does your Bible say there? Apostles. Interesting that he changes that word to the apostles. Now, as I think about an apostle, an apostle is somebody that's going to be sent out with a message. Are these 12 guys going to have a message? Absolutely. They're not just going to be sent out with a message, repent the kingdom is at hand. They're going to be sent out with some power to authenticate that ministry. And they're going to be able to heal diseases, take care of leprosy, raise people from the dead, cast out demons. But it's interesting, as you think about the word apostle, Think about their message. The first thing that he said to them was not, I want to give you these gifts to do all this stuff. There's something that I want you to say before you demonstrate your power that has been given to you by me. What are the words they're supposed to say? Well, go to Matthew chapter 10. Pick it up in verse 5. These these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. If you want to go through, since we have been going through the book of Matthew, sometime this afternoon you go back and look at Matthew chapter 4. And Matthew is very clear about Jesus' message. Jesus' message was repent, the kingdom is there. And I realize we don't use that word a lot in church because we're all becoming part of a participation society and we don't want anybody's feelings to be hurt. We want everybody to feel good when they leave church so maybe they'll come back. And if they come back, we're willing to put some money in the box and everybody's still feeling good and we've just lied the whole way through this whole process. And we've made church a big show. It's not what it is. It's an opportunity for you and I to gather this morning And to come to truth with reality that somewhere in our life we need to repent for who we were. I was over there, Jesus. But because of you, now I'm going in a different direction. For these Jews that Matthew's talking to, their their, their, uh, thing was religion. We love the law. We love the Old Testament. We love the rituals. We love to stand on the street corners and do this, this, and this. And then this Messiah comes in and says, no, hold on a second. Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Those are going to inherit the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is going to ask this group to say, okay, it's no longer about religion. It's about a personal relationship with the Messiah. How do you get that? Through repentance. You have to come to the grips where you're saying, you know what, I don't have what Jesus is saying in front of me. Now, I realize I did this first hour and people got embarrassed, so I won't do it again in the second hour, so please don't raise your hand. But very few people in this room this week admitted that you were wrong. And so when we start talking about repentance, we get very uncomfortable because that means that you have to admit you've got issues. And let me just tell you, you have issues because I have issues. Do amen that I have issues. It's true. No, she'll double amen. It's okay. You know, this is important because most people think people standing up here don't have issues. And we do because we're sinners just like you. So take me off a totem pole. I'm nothing special but a sinner saved by grace. Okay, that's all I am. And that's all you are, hopefully that you'll say, yes, I need a Savior, and I want forgiveness. And so this morning, as you gather together as a family, it's very clear, and I won't do a whole lot with you, but take your Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, The Lord's given me the opportunity over the years to be part of a Bible study, and it's a Bible study I've told you before that I don't lead. I call it the old men Bible study because I'm the youngest guy there. But I get an opportunity to sit with older men and the Word of God, and it's really fun for me. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we were uh, on Thursday. And so we came across this passage. Pretty interesting how we got to Matthew chapter 10 this morning in our planning. And then we get to this passage. Matthew or 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling The world to himself in Christ, that's very controversial, that's going to cause problems all around the world, fine. It's it's okay, because I believe reconciliation only comes through the cross. In Christ, in Christ alone. I firmly believe that. I had lunch with an individual uh, this week that said, you really believe that? Yeah, that salvation is only through the cross? Absolutely, that's what I believe. But now keep on going. Um, wait, last okay, that God's reconciled the world to Himself, not counting men's sin against them. We should say, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord for that. And He has committed to us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His making His appeal through you, through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's our opportunity. We are Christ ambassadors. We are the apostles of the day. We're the ones that should be out involved in people's lives, dealing with the ministry of reconciliation. So far out of all the years of, of ministry, I'm pretty sure most people, if they're going to go sit down with somebody, say, okay, let's just start off. We know you're a sinner. Your life is a mess. So you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness today. It normally doesn't happen like that. But over time, you develop relationships with people And you bring them to the truth of the word of God. It's okay. Here's Jesus. And people say, yep, I need that. I need to think. Now what's interesting to me. As you go about this Matthew chapter 10. You have the king's messenger. Now I'm going to go real quick. So hang on. Because I want to finish on the right time. And you're going to have to spend some time in Matthew chapter 10. For yourself. But I want you to see things that are really interesting. And we're going to go through this really kind of quick. We're not going to do all the verses. I'm just going to highlight some things. The first thing that I want you to see after, so back to Matthew chapter 10. Here's the message. Preach the message. The kingdom is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not take along with you gold, silver, copper in your belts. Take no bag for your journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff for the worker is worth his keep. Hey, I'm going to send you out. Jesus is saying to this team. These 12 guys, I'm going to send you out. You take nothing. I'm going to take you down a road where you're going to learn to be dependent on me. You don't get a suitcase in this journey. And they're not even going to take the staff. It's just them and go. Two by two, the message. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. If you see somebody with leprosy, heal them. If you see somebody demon-possessed, cast it out. But preach this message to the Jews. That's the message. Now, something that's really interesting, go over to verse 17. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to local councils and flog you in their synagogues. So if Jesus is coming to you now and say, hey, I'm going to send you out and this is what you will face. How many of us would still be Christians? How many of us would still sign up and say, yeah, I'll go worship. This would be awesome. All for you, Jesus. I'm in. So he's very clear with these 12 disciples. It's going to cost these guys something. They're going to be flocked. Look at verse 18. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings and witness to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say. At the time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of my Father speaking through you. These 12 are going to be sent out. No clothes what they've got. No money. Watch out for these individuals. Guys, you 12, it's going to cost you. You're going to be beaten for my name. You're going to have to run for your lives because of me. You're going to stand before governors and you're not going to know what to say. But the Holy Spirit of God is going to come on you and you will speak. It won't be your words because it's not about you guys go over a little bit farther. Pick it up in verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Very interesting words. When was the last time we used Jesus in the promise? We can't say here is he really our fault. I think there's gonna come times in our lives that where the Lord just does things to get our attention. So as you, and there's lots of other things that I can say to you about Matthew chapter 10, but we don't have time, so I'm not going to run us run late. But what I want you to see is Jesus put this team together of his messengers 12, 12 ordinary men, and he gave them a message that was not a feel good message. He gave them a very divisive message. And if you read through Matthew chapter 10, you'll see that the gospel is going to separate parents. The gospel is going to separate marriages. The gospel just divides things. And so this morning as you're sitting here, what's your message today? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Whoever you are a disciple of will determine the message you share. Whoever you are a disciple of will determine the message that you share. Don't kid yourself here. You can't play games over here and call yourself a Jesus person and the message not be about you. Last verse that I want to give you. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 14. Paul's words to a church at Corinth. He says this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live shall no longer live for what? Does your Bible really say themselves? He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Those are very, very convicting words. Paul says, if he died for you, then we need to die to you as you live this earth. And don't get confused and don't mistaken. If I'm not dying to me, then maybe I haven't accepted that. I want you to pray with me. Father, it's easy for us to gather as a family because it's tradition and it's Sunday. And it's easy for us to get excited about young people going to Korea. But really, we need to evaluate what is our purpose today? What kind of disciple? What kind of apostle? What's my message? Easy to say, we humble ourselves and pray. When was the last time you bent your knee in, in submission to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords personally? Saying, you know what, Father, I, I just need to get on my face before you and admit I'm wrong. Get on my face before you and just humble myself and say, you know what? I'm just living for myself. See, there's a cost to the cross. And it's wonderful to sing about Jesus, and I think we need to. But if we say yes to Jesus, we're really saying no to ourselves, that we'll no longer live for ourselves, that there will be a process in our life that, and I'm not, I don't expect us to get this perfect. I'm, there's not weeks and months and years that I go along and I get this all right, but I think it's just important to call in front of us. Are we willing to die to ourselves? Die to our preferences. So Father, I don't know what you're doing, but this Matthew chapter 10 has just blown up some things in my thought processes of life. So as we have gathered around your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would take, us, take this word and allow us to be the messengers that you want us to be. You've given us a job, that's why we're still here. We have life today because you gave it to us. So give us a passion for the ministry of reconciliation. Give us a passion for your word. Give us a passion to die to ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather as a family. We love you, Jesus. your name I pray. Amen.